Well, I am, oh my gosh, I'm so filled up. Aren't you guys just so filled up? And um, I, I love, it, it's clear to me why um, I'm following Don as I listen to his story. I'd heard it before, but I heard it a little bit differently today. But I love having a word. Like this year, we, for, for this, we have so many words. And uh, you, when you have a word, God gives you a word for a season, um, you ponder it and you, and you soak in it. And it shows up everywhere you look. God puts words, your word, he puts it in the Bible when it wasn't there before. It really wasn't. But now it is. It's in every song you hear. It's in everything. So um, I have had, in this last season of my life, even before I knew about the retreat, God had given me rewords and rewords and rewords and rewords. So I love that. Um, I have just an example, a a prominent example. I have a friend who is a Christian book critic. So she she knows that I'm a bookaholic or readaholic or whatever you call that, bibliophile. Um, And so she shares books with me. Well, a few years ago, she gave me a book called Control Girl. Wait, I thought to myself, this is great. I know people I can help with this. Well, I didn't get through one chapter till I realized I was going to need a new friend. But um, as a result of that, God gave me the word relinquish. And I spent at least a year, probably more, struggling with that word. It wasn't a fun word. I asked for spa day, but no, I got relinquished. But um, God's very purposeful. And um, let me give you a bit of the backstory. Um, that word relinquish came in so powerfully after my mom um, broke her hip. And many of you know how this goes. She just began spiraling down and down, mentally, emotionally, physically. Um, It was just a hard, hard time. But there was nothing, nothing I could control in that desperate situation. Nothing. So I began to see how God had prepared me for that time. The hardest part, I think, um, for her and for me watching it, was her loss of memory and the knowledge that she had lost her memory. She would ask repeatedly, now where am I? And she'd been at my house for many years, off and on. And so, but she would ask often, now where am I? And after she went home, I found all these little this size post-it notes. I found one on the mantle in her bedroom I found them in books. I, I keep finding them, little, little notes that say, here I am. So I was grateful when God invited her home. Um, she knew who she was. She knew where she was. And she wasn't confused anymore. So I was glad about that. I was very glad about that. But then I got really angry about the loss of memory and really frustrated. And so I started um, telling God I wasn't having any of that. Not doing it. Don't go there. I won't have it. I will not. You may not. 
Now, I thought we were having a discussion, or at least a, at least a, you know, trying to work this out sort of thing. But I, I realized after a while, he wasn't responding. So, when I realized that, and I and I missed, I missed him, because he he you know he's a good parent and he doesn't respond to rants. So, um, and and he wasn't going to negotiate. So I said, in my very sweet, humble, real-life person, okay, fine. (laughs) I mean, God, I mean, I mean, okay, fine, fine. But if that's something you have in the plan for my life, would you please teach me now how to survive if I can't remember, if my mind stops working? So he began in very unexpected and very uncomfortable ways. Obviously, he didn't ask me in advance. So I started having horrible memories, mostly from my adolescence. Terrible, horrible, awful, no good memories. I couldn't get them out of my mind when I was awake. I couldn't get them out of my dreams when I was asleep. Things I had never thought before I agonized over those memories, and I was so regretful. I was sorry they happened. But the memories continued. So then my Father God began bringing me to true remorse for my part in them. As he, and this is important, as he reflected on those events with me, pardon, um, He allowed me to feel the disgrace for my part in them. It was rightfully mine. There was disgrace. He allowed me to feel that in his presence. But there was no condemnation. Jesus reminded me that he too was disgraced at the cross for my sake. And he he was disgraced so that he could regrace me. His disgrace was through no fault of his own. But because he was felt that disgrace, hanging there on the cross, naked, being jeered at, he, he understood the disgrace that I felt. And he could regrace me. I loved that. He could repair that time in my life through his endless mercy and grace. He simply lavished my heart with new revelations of his character and his love. So it was a very, um, it it was very, the realization of of knowing that he was there with me in those situations was was horrible. But, um, I'm gonna turn this a little bit. Um, they were so horrible that, you know, but I was in his presence. And, and I think I thought, had I convinced myself that if I buried those memories so deep in myself that he wouldn't remember either? And he does say he doesn't remember, but not yet. So... Um, I thought, you know, would he, would he reject me? 
Would he be repulsed by me? But it was also tremendously comforting that he was there. I wasn't alone. He never left me. And he didn't have to turn his face away from me because his father had turned his holy face away from Jesus as he was absorbing my sin. So he didn't have to turn his face away from me, even in those situations, and he didn't. Um, He bore my sin on that cross to bring restoration to me. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I was brought from regret and remorse to true repentance. Um, Psalm 103 says, as far as the east is, I think this is in your book, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our sins. Um, So I told you, you know, when you start thinking words, you see them everywhere. So I was reading Spiritual Overlap, and I love this sentence, five re-words in one sentence. Um, This is J.R. Briggs, and she said, Repentance is where we abdicate our thrones and relinquish our lives, only to be reminded on resurrection morning that this is how we receive new life. So I began to realize that as much as I had hidden those things so deeply in my heart, that I had to go back and reflect on it. And I had to respond to it. But I could do it in his presence with his perspective. That made all the difference. And then I was able to realign my life with his. I knew that if I didn't do that, I was going to have to go to spiritual rehab. And I really didn't want to do that. Psalm 130 verse 7 says, For with the Lord is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. Um, June Hunt from Hope for the Heart um, says that our messes become our message. So I'm going to say this next part um, because I know that there are other people, um, there are other women sitting here who um, have struggled with a father-daughter impact on your past or present life. Um, and this is why I know I was supposed to follow um, Don because he talked about the hurt that came from his father. My, my situation was a little different, but, it, but the haunting incidents that I remembered were sparked by the absence of my father in my life and consequent looking for his love in all the wrong places. Part of my heart broke over, broke again, every time my father turned his back on me. Susie Davis speaks to this um, dilemma in her book, Dear Daughters, because it's so important because the impact, you know, like with Dawn, it's not just emotional, it's not just mental, it also very much affects our spiritual lives. Um, As women and men, our fathers are one of the most important influences in our lives for good or for bad. The author, um, Susie Davis, shared a note in her book that a woman had written to her dad. And this is what it said. Your actions took away my innocence. 
my fun-loving self and left a burden. And along with that burden, this example, love expires and people are disposable. Hear that again. Love expires and people are disposable. Now hear the truth. Your heavenly Father says you are deeply loved, unconditionally. You are highly valued and totally acceptable to him. You have, I have a father. I want you to know that you have a father who knows you, knows everything about you, and loves you, and would do anything, including giving up the life of his beloved son to have a relationship with you. So as I, I reflected on the cross in a lot of this, and I thought about Jesus hanging there, carrying my sin, and, um, you know, scripture was, uh, prophecy was fulfilled in that none of his bones were broken. But as I thought about it, you know, the, think of the weight of his body pulling down. His joints came out, or came out of joint. And so, in a, in a way, he was dismembered. Much as he was disgraced so that he could regrace me, he was dismembered so that he could remember me. He could put me back together. He could repair broken hearts and bodies and minds of all of us who are broken. So, y'all, these memories came from 60 years ago. I don't know why God didn't reveal them to me before, quite possibly because I wouldn't allow him to. Um, there's a Toby Mac lyric that says, I did my best to undo me, but you loved me enough to pursue me. And I know that he relentlessly pursued me and pursued my heart during all those years. Whatever is good in my life is a result of his constant grace pursuing me. So I have, I've always loved Psalm 139.5. It says, you hem me in behind and before me, and you lay your hand upon me. I have a kind of a new, new understanding of that, though. I think I, for a very long time at least, I've known that he went ahead of me, that he was already in my future, um, you know, planning it. But now I see that he also does come behind us. He comes behind us to reveal anything in our past that needs to be realigned and taken to him, anything that might hinder our relationship with him. Our Bibles are full of stories of people who rebelled against God, and still he pursued them. <clears throat> That's the depth of his love and faithfulness to us. Now I want you to do something. Look behind you. Is he pursuing you? I bet he is, no matter what. The greatest longing of our Father is to have an intimate relationship with each of us. And there is, gratefully, nothing we can do to stop his pursuit. I loved it this morning. You know, one of the, I think the first song was, um, in my Father's house, there's a room for me. I love that, and it's true. So, um, back to my plea that God would teach me how to 
survive if my mind stopped working. I started to see the starting place. Matthew 12, 34, and 35 says, For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good woman brings good things out of the good stored up in her. An evil woman brings out evil that's stored up in him, her. So if I allowed, if, if, if God hadn't done what he did, and I had allowed those unconfessed um, sin to harbor in my heart, if my mind wasn't capable of controlling my words, the only thing that could gush out was what was hidden in my heart. And I knew that that was not what I wanted for the later part of my relationships. By his love, God can shape our hearts into a perfect reflection of his. Jesus is coming again to restore all things as they should be. Just as for me, your past failures, weaknesses do not define you. My husband and I saw a movie last week um, about an, the main character was a man of a, a very um, checkered and hidden past. So while this man is dying of a gunshot wound, he says to his son, I don't know who I was back then, and I don't know what I did, but I don't believe in redemption. That could have been my story, too. Because in a very real sense, I didn't know what I had done or who I was. But I did know that I had a Redeemer who did. So do you see what God in his infinite wisdom did? I didn't know I was such a control girl or that I would soon have to let go of that. So he gave me the word relinquish for my good. Then he used what he had taught me to be able to release my mother. Then he used my anger and frustration at, with her memory loss to bring me to a place where he could heal me of memories I didn't even know I had. And then to bring me a renewed relationship with him. Jesus made a clear path for all of us to live a life worthy of the calling we've received. All that is required of us is that we believe him we trust him. We open our hearts to our God. My prayer for you is that your life may be a reflection of his perfect love to those around you. I told you in the beginning that my main RE word, although it didn't start with this one, um, is redemption. Redemption is a work, but it's not something we can do ourselves. Psalm 104 verse 4, the psalmist did not say, I figured it out and I worked really hard to climb out of the pit. Not at all. He said, he redeems my life from the pit and crowns me with love and compassion. There is a resurrection, and the trump shall resound when he comes to take us home. It is really well with my soul. Let's pray. Lord God, our perfect Father, by your Holy Spirit within us, would you make our lives to be a reflection of your redeeming love to all those around us. In the precious Jesus, name of Jesus, I ask, and we all say, 
Amen.